we're at the fifth episode of the No Degree Podcast. This is your host, Janaid Iqbal, and today's guest is Jordan Mendoza. He has a lot to offer, and I know you'll enjoy his story. I learned so much from him, and he has some funny stories that you'll definitely want to listen to. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show is impossible without you. Let's get the show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast, where I interview people without college degrees and have them share their stories. Today, I have a special guest who I met on LinkedIn, and we've just been active. He's an awesome guy. He always provides useful advice. And when I learned that he was willing to be on my podcast, definitely very happy. So I have Jordan Mendoza, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, everybody. So happy to be here. Uh, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to chat with your audience. And uh, so I'm Jordan Mendoza, and I'm a training and development manager for a national property management company. To put what that means is, you know, I oversee a region of associates and I'm responsible for teaching and training, coaching them and helping them grow into hopefully new positions in the organization. Interesting. So how do you sort of fall into that? This industry, I, I actually, it's an interesting story. So I was living in an apartment community in Maryland. Uh, my wife and I and our youngest son was about six months old. And uh, I was actually doing landscaping at the time for my dad. He owns a landscaping business. One day I walked into the office to get a package and I'm a pretty outgoing guy. I've, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert, right? So I had no problem talking to people and they said, hey, you know, we really enjoy you come in. You're always excited to see us, even if it's just getting a package. And uh, would you ever consider doing a leasing job? And I said, sure. I don't know what that means, but what is the job for one? And do you guys have benefits for two, right? We had a newborn. So they said, yes, uh, it's, it's a sales job. So you're going to essentially show people apartments. And if they like it, your goal is to get them to apply for it and to move into the to the building. And I said, that sounds awesome. You know, when can I get an interview? And went to that interview. I was super excited in the interview. And I'm one of those people. I always set my goals really high. Uh, sometimes my wife has to bring me back down to earth. But uh, so I uh, I was interviewed by a, by a gentleman and he said, a very cliche interview question you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And I remember what I told him is I said, I would love to have your job. And he looked at me and he said, you don't even have this job yet. So you might want to calm down a little bit. He did end up hiring me. I learned a lot. I wasn't a leasing professional for very long. I actually got promoted to become an assistant property manager in six months, which is kind of unheard of, right? And it's so funny how that happens because, and I'm very thankful for my company for doing that, but I don't know if it's the best decision to take the best salesman and make him a bookkeeper. <laughs> right. So that's, and that's what happened to me as I was, you know, the top sales guy in the market. Everybody knew who I was. If any property needed help, I would go to that property. If they couldn't lease the places because of the condition or the age, I would go and really figure out how I could sell that apartment. And I would go and, and do that. So I got really good at the sales job. And then they promoted me to a bookkeeper, which I'll be honest, I really hated that job because I hate math for one. And I love talking to people for two. And in that job, my conversations were trying to collect money from people. Like, oh, hey, wh where's your fun. rent? Right. I was like a collection agent. And uh, so it wasn't my best life at all. And I, and I realized that, but I knew I did want to be a property manager. So what I did 
As I became the dang best assistant manager I could be, I got our delinquency down. I worked hard. I helped out other properties. And I also cross-trained and tried to learn what a property manager does because, again, my goal wasn't to be an assistant for long. So I was an assistant for about nine months. And after nine months, it's so crazy. I got I got assistant manager of the year. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. And then uh, a few months after that, I I got a call to to go to another property. It was a regional manager and a vice president. They called me and said, "Hey, Jordan, we need you to come to this community. Uh, we want to talk to you." So immediately, where does my mind go? I'm like, "Uh, I guess I'm getting fired." So I called my wife on the way there and I said, "Hey, Natalie, I think I'm getting fired. You know, go pull the newspaper. Maybe we can look up, see what other jobs are out there." And uh, so I show up to the community. I walk in and the manager who was supposed to be there, he wasn't there. I looked at them both and I said, hey, where's Jason? And they said, well, he's not here anymore. You can go ahead and have a seat. And I was like, yep, here it comes. You know, I'm getting fired. So they sit me down and they say, you know what? You've done such an amazing job as an assistant manager. And we we're going to promote you to a community manager today. Here are the keys to your new office. And then they both left. And I was looking around like, what the heck do I do now? I don't I don't know how to be a property manager, you know. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I called my wife and I and I told her I said, "Listen, she's like, you lost your job." I said, "No, they promoted me." It's, it was so strange, you know. So I got promoted to a property manager after only being in the industry for about 15 months from starting out knowing nothing about it to manager and that doesn't happen very often, so I knew I was on to something. But after I was a manager for a while, about 5 years, I decided that you know, I didn't really want to be a manager forever. You know, I think I had mastered what it means to get the highest net operating income for the community, to market my property, to stay within my budget. You know, I learned a lot of those skills, but what I was most passionate about was actually watching my people grow. You know, my goal as a manager was always to duplicate myself, meaning if I had a leasing professional, I wanted to cross train them and set them up for success so that they could get to be an assistant. If it was my assistant, I worked with them hard. I cross-trained them because I want them to be a manager. I always feel like it's important in whatever role that you're in, whatever job that you're in, that you always give back to people that have a part in your success. And so that's really what I what I focused on for that five years was getting people to the next level. And um, a job came open to, for a learning and development manager was the name of the role at the time. And at this point, we had my wife was homesick. So we had ended up moving from Maryland back down to Georgia. A lot of people don't know this, but I was actually with a smaller uh, property management company for about just under a year. It was probably the best learning experience that I had in my property management career because it was a community that was kind of like a fire drill. They had a lot of issues. They had a lot of crime. I had to go in and and really get the place cleaned up. I worked with local law enforcement to get out a lot of the riffraff. There was drugs. There was you name it. And I, and I saw it. I made the decision to move and to live at that community with my family. By this time, we were already up to, to, to two children. During the time I was there, like my supervisor I had was a very big micromanager. And I don't know if you or any of the audience has ever had a boss like that. Man, let me tell you, you know, you want to talk about low emotional intelligence. That's what this lady had. She was not aware of how how she showed up. She would call me multiple times a day asking questions that she could really get the answer to if she would look into the software system and check out the data. But she was so concerned with what I was doing 
I came to this epiphany of like, you know, you hired me to run a multi-million dollar business, but why are you checking on me all the time? And what I came to realize is that she was a little intimidated by the information that I had and, and how I worked with my team and how much my team responded to the techniques that I did when it came to managing people. I ended up resigning from that company after a very short tenure. Uh, the owner of the company is such a great guy. He gave me a great recommendation. There was no hard feelings lost on, on, on either end, but there was a pretty significant thing that was kind of the final straw. One night I was in bed and I heard gunshots. It's my, me and my wife and my, and my two kids. I kind of jumped out of bed and I was like, what is happening? And I called the non-emergency line. They said the officers were on the way and, and there was a shooting. You know, someone had tried to break into an apartment and they had shot one of our residents. That was kind of the final straw for me where I was like, you know what? No job is more important than my family, right? No position. So, you know, you couple that with a supervisor that ha is a micromanager and that was really easy ingredients for me to say, I need to start looking for something else. So, you know, I was fortunate to have built such a great relationship with Gables, who now I've been with for 12 years. And I called up a vice president in the Atlanta office and she said, I told her my situation. She said, hey, you don't have to interview. Come to Atlanta. We'll find a place for you. And that was such an awesome gesture for me to get another role as a manager in Atlanta. And that you know, I did that for about two more years, went off that segue into getting that job as a learning and development manager. So that role brought us from Atlanta back to DC. You're kind of seeing where we've we've had this amazing journey of living in different states with two different companies. And when I got that role as a trainer, it was the same position was when I was a manager. I was like, man, like I read the job description and I I know I love teaching and training people, but what do I do? Like, how, how do I do this? Right. So naturally I had to learn how to facilitate classes. I had to learn how to write content, you know, and as the years progressed in my role, we started getting into video, right? Video started to become a big thing. So I started actually shooting content and doing post-production, you know, and editing all my own stuff and doing green screen work and, and voiceovers and whiteboard animation. So it's so amazing, like how, from knowing nothing about the industry to today where I've got to experience and wear so many different hats in the organization. And now I also teach a six month leadership program. You know, it's just so amazing. No degree, right? I'm a guy with no degree, went to high school, you know, knew that I didn't want to go to college. I knew that I wanted to work. I knew that I, one thing that I've always had is the ability to communicate with people and people skills. You know, I, said it in an article I wrote on LinkedIn, but people skills, they're worth their weight in gold, right? If you can communicate verbally and non-verbally with your body language, those are two things that I think can carry you a long way. So anyone that's listening that has those abilities and skills and doesn't have a degree, you don't need the degree to be successful as long as you can communicate effectively. So let's go back to, you mentioned that you didn't want to go to college. So let's go back to like elementary school. So how were you like when you were young and then when did you realize you didn't want to go to college and sort of what experiences sort of led you to that? Yeah. So, you know, I think in my younger years, elementary school and middle school, I, I would say I was a pretty decent student, right? But I, I never really had a love 
for being in class. I was kind of a daydreamer. I was always thinking about what I wanted to do after school, or the fort that I wanted to build, or the fact that I wanted to go door to door and try to collect cans to use that as money to go buy candy. Like I was always like kind of forward thinking as a kid. I played soccer and I played baseball for about 10 years. And what I really most enjoyed about the two sports wasn't the sports. It was actually getting the candy and going and selling it to people, you know? So, you know, I had kind of this entrepreneurial spirit from a very young age. I knew that I didn't enjoy, I felt like being in school, like there were things that I learned, but I almost felt like that I could be doing other things with my time. And that carried on to high school where I wasn't a great student. If it was a class I loved, drama, A, P-E-A, when it came to math, it was like, yeah, not really into math, so I didn't really focus as hard, right? I just always had that mentality, and I literally knew that once I finished high school, I wanted to work. So I actually, I got a job, and I moved from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, and I got a job with a sales and marketing company, and it was uh, door-to-door sales. So I would go into neighborhoods to businesses, and we would sell promotional products. You know, this, these could be like a contract with Pizza Hut, where you're selling a certificate for 20 pizzas for 20 bucks, and you know that brought me down to the Bay Area, California. And I did stuff with a division called credit cards. And we went to all the college campuses. Pretty funny, right? I'm back. I went to school, went to all these college campuses, and we did promotions and gave out t-shirts. And it was designed to drive traffic for people to get credit cards. When I think back to it, I'm like, man, I probably put a lot of kids in debt. So probably not the best job, but the experience, the exposure. I mean, I literally talked to hundreds of people a day. In all my experiences in sales, I've always heard no a lot. For me, I've developed this really tough skin and no's don't affect me. You know, a no is just gets me that closer to a yes, right? I think really all of the things and experience that I've that I did and all the jobs, whether it was a sales job, uh, a funny story, I had a a one-day job as an ice cream man, right? Oh, interesting. Tell yeah. us that. And let me tell you, let me tell you why it was a one-day job. So it was, uh, I was kind of in between jobs. I was 21 years old. I looked up online on Craigslist or something. They're like, ice cream man needed. I was like, this is going to be the best job. I get to drive around, get to be in nice air conditioned vehicle. And I get to go like to all these parks and just sell ice cream to people. Like everybody loves the ice cream man, right? You get to play those cool song, the cool catchy song. They didn't really give you a whole lot of details before they handed you the keys and loaded up your inventory. What do I do? I said, okay, I'm going to go smash around town. I'm going to drive up wait, Like I'm going to find the, the biggest complexes I can find, just post up there and just wait for kids, you know, to come run it out. So money's going to come in. I'm going to make so much money. This is, this is going to be the life, right? So I had about a 13 hour day and I sold a lot of ice cream. Well, when I got back to the, the shop to turn in all the money, they said, oh, hey, did you fill up the tank of the van? And I said, um, no, I thought you guys fill up the tank of the van. And they said, uh, no, no, you have to fill it up. And I said, that's not my money. Like, no, it's going to come out of your money. My 12 hours of ice cream sales and my brilliant idea to make a bunch of money turned into a $12 payout. Oh, $12, the whole thing? 
$12 after they took out their fees, after they took out the gas, which is almost like $80. I mean, I'm riding around in air conditioning with a cooler that's having to cool ice cream in the summer. So I literally made $12 in, in 12 hours. If you want to go for a record of least amount per hour made for a 12-hour day, this guy did that. <laughs> Man, so you made more selling candy in high school. You know what? I made way more doing that. I made way more selling newspaper subscriptions or selling cell phones over the phone as a telemarketer. Yeah, I made more money doing jobs like that. But it's so funny because I, I learned a lot. I learned that I need to get more details. Like I need to ask more detailed questions, you know? I need to know exactly what what the job is. Like, you know, so it's funny how like you look back at situations like that in 12 hours as an ice cream man, I learned a lot about myself and what not to do, you know. For any of you that want to become ice sell ice cream, just know that tank is yeah, not no, it's no. not cheap to fill up. So what other fees? They took out the tank fee. They took, I don't know, to be honest, I think they were probably making fees up. Like, you know, it was like, let's get this kid for every penny that we can get. And so he won't, so, you know, so he won't show back up. Or maybe he's dumb enough to show back up to work the next day. <laughs> Out, so the ice cream man. And then what What sort of, what was next after the ice cream man? So you realize, all right, screw this, 12 bucks, like anything's better than this. So after the ice cream man, I, I did a couple more like local, like uh, outside sales jobs, like B2B sales, right? Um, and some of it was telemarketing based and some of it was like you had to go set appointments with people. And again, these were just kind of odd jobs like here and there just to try to make some cash because I really I really didn't know what, where I was going. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then it was 2003. I get a call from uh, one of my friends, Suzanne. She's, she lives out in Sacramento, but she had moved out to Atlanta and she got a job with a sales and marketing company. And, and she called me one day and said, listen... Uh, I think you'd really like this company. You're awesome at sales. I want you to come out and interview. I think you would really enjoy it. So I said, hey, you know what? I'm not not doing any better here. You know, So let me go ahead and had enough money to book my flight. Really didn't have a whole lot of money other than that. And uh, you know, I didn't want to ask mom or dad for any money. My mom you know, didn't have any money, first of all. And it's a pride thing to ask my dad for money. So I said, you know what? You got a place where I can crash until I start making, you know, making some commissions. And she's like, absolutely, come on out. So I went to interview, loved it, thought it would be a great opportunity and took that job and stayed in Atlanta. Very interesting kind of a love story. So I worked for that company and I met this girl that also worked for the company named Natalie. And it was one of those kind of cat and mouse situations, but she was she will admit it too that she was kind of the 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 chaser of me and i was trying to be rico suave and and playing like hard to get you know that kind of sparked a relationship and it ended up being that i needed a place to live she needed a new apartment and then her friend needed a, a another roommate so all three of us ended up moving in together like three's company right <laughs> of course as we're roommates our relationship starts to to grow and uh, as I say, the rest is history. We've we've been together, you know, ever since since two thousand three. So super super crazy kind of wild story. But you know, you never know where you're going to meet you know, the person you're going to be with, you know, for the rest of your life. So yeah, no, that's it's it's interesting. So I mean, looking back, I'm seeing that you have you've had a lot of sales job, but I see that the key to success for you is that you've always sort of had emotional intelligence, right? Did you always have it, even in as a young kid, or How'd you develop it? Like, where did you, did you learn it from your parents or did you read certain books? Like, how'd you get, because you're always publishing articles about it, but it's like, how do you, how'd you learn about it? How'd you sort of get passionate about it? 
Yeah, I think I think I learned a lot of it through, like you said, through environmental influence. You know, my my great grandmother was a hundred percent Cherokee or I'm um, Chippewa Indian, and um, she always tried to preach the golden rule to me. You know, treat people like like you want to be treated. You know, and that's something that when great grandmother says it to you, what do you do? You listen. Being exposed to that at a young age. And just the way that she treated me and, and kind of the love and the nurturing and the empathy that she showed to me was huge. And then I also had a, uh, had a, a mom. I haven't faced adversity in my life, I, and I, I firmly believe that. And I've been through some pretty terrible things. But my mom was someone that you know was born with one lung back in 1958. The doctors essentially told her that she might live to be 18. You know, There was nothing they could do back then. They also said she would never have any kids. She ended up having five boys. You know, although she had to use oxygen most of her life, unfortunately, she passed away seven years ago at 54. She truthfully, like, did really well with the cards that she was dealt. And, and the lessons that I learned from my mom were this. It doesn't matter what type of disability or ailment for you. You know, you have a choice of whether you're going to be a positive or a negative person. And, you know, she always taught me the value of a smile. Be em- empathetic to people. It's okay to cry. It's okay. It's okay if you're not feeling good. You know, you need to talk those things out, you know. And um, she was always full of life, always at our sporting events. She was super, super supportive of us and always was a good listener and really, truly cared about how we were doing. And although we didn't have a lot of money and although we didn't have a lot of stuff. We felt rich with love. And I think if you, when you grow up in an environment with a person like that, that can truthfully impact you. To elaborate a little bit more on EQ, I have the opportunity each year to teach a six-month leadership program, and it rotates from Atlanta to Washington, D.C. And one of the sessions that we offer is all about emotional intelligence. So we, we use content from the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and um, you know, Dr. Bradbury, and that information is so powerful because, especially in 2019, you know, EQ has four buckets: it's self-awareness, right? How you show up, being aware of how you show up from everybody else's perspective, right? And then it has how you manage your emotions, so being able to manage how you show up. What do you? What kind of things can you do to kind of calm yourself down if you feel? your emotions getting the best of you and then how you show up in social settings and how you manage your relationships. And, you know, it's, it's super important to me and why I'm so passionate about it is I see so many people that aren't doing it or that don't get it. And it's very, very clear to me when you notice it, when you notice it in actors, when you notice it in friends, when you notice it in family, it literally to me, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And the one thing I do like about EQ is that over time, everybody has the ability to increase it based on different tactics and techniques to manage all those areas. No, that's so important because one thing I tell people is like, you could have the highest IQ, but if you don't have EQ, right? If you don't know how to choose a significant other, right? You've seen, I'm pretty sure you've seen like guys with terrible girlfriends or girlfriends with terrible guys and they're very smart. But since they can't manage their relationships or right, they just go down the drain and it's like so much potential wasted. And I've, it's just like another tool that a lot of, and you don't really learn it in school. No, no. And that's, 
that's actually why I'm super passionate about posting the content. You know, I started the hash, hashtag EQ tips with Jordan. So, and I encourage anyone listening, if you're on LinkedIn, connect with me, send me a connection request and, and follow it because literally, I mean, it's, it's just free. It's, it's free information. And a lot of the information I get is, is from research. It's from jumping into it. It's from studying. It's from watching people, right? I mean, there, there are, there are people at every company that could benefit from hearing about what to do. Cause a lot of time it's, they're not self-aware because no one said anything to them, right? Like people don't want to approach them because they have low EQ and they're afraid of what's going to happen. And, you know, people look at it like it's a scary thing, but literally it's just, you know, how are you showing up? How are you treating people? Are you kind or are you just a jerk to everybody because you feel, and again, that usually stems from something else, right? People aren't angry for no reason. It usually stems from some type of physical, emotional, psychological pain that they've endured, right? I don't usually blame people that have lower EQ because sometimes it stemmed from how they were treated as an individual. And so that's the beautiful part about it is everybody through research and through learning and and, and I highly recommend the that assessment, you can build those EQ muscles up to be a better person. You mentioned that you do the sales training program. So sort of what's a typical week look like for you or like what's a typical month look like for you? Because I know that you balance several different roles in the company. What do you end up doing? Like, how do you end up spending your time? Okay, I can tell you what today looks like and tomorrow is oh, probably going to be different. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. How, what, what was today? Right now, we're actually in the process of a big software implementation for my company it's called Workday and it's a it's a massive HRIS suite right so we currently have one software for for payroll entry another software for hourly payroll entry a software for recruiting a software for performance appraisals a software for learning and so what we're going to do is essentially eliminate these five systems and put them all into one system i'm part of the 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 drip marketing team where i'm creating content to push out to the company to get people excited about the change that's coming. Because let's face it, 90% of people don't like change, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's just how it is. Although you and I have both changed since we started this interview, yeah, right? That's how it Does is. Does that make sense? But some people don't realize that. And so it's one of those things where we want to strategically do this rollout so that you know, the change comes a little bit easier. So what one of the things I'm I'm working on is walkthrough videos and I'm actually teaching people processes that they're gonna do on launch day prior to launch. Right. So I'm showing them in like 30 second videos how easy it is to put your profile picture in to update any benefits information, to enter your payroll and to submit it. I'm gonna actually walk them through prior. And then on launch day, we're actually hosting a national pizza party where pizza is going to be delivered to all the properties and all the offices at the same time. And everyone's going to go in and do the actions in the videos. So it's pretty cool. I get to be part of kind of the HR side. And then um, we're now jumping into the learning side, because as you can imagine, all of our content is currently on one learning management system, and we've got to bring it to the new one. Well, when you're opening a new system, you also want to create some buzz and some engagement with some new content. So we're also in the mode of creating more content and then vetting content from other platforms like maybe LinkedIn Learning or Udemy or something like that that we can source as viable options for, for courses for our associates. You've always seemed to be good at sales, right? So what would you say got you, like, were you always naturally, it seemed like from 
our conversation that you are naturally good at it. But why do you think you were good at it? And you've improved over years. And what did you do to sort of get better? And also, I'm pretty sure you've come across people who worked with you who were bad salesmen and sort of what made them bad. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, for me, sales is all it is, is a turn transaction, right? And the most important thing that people miss is sales is a transaction built on a relationship. Okay. And so one thing I've always been good at my entire life is building relationship. I've been very good at reading people, like their body language, their facial expressions, their their tone. And when you have the ability to do that, and then you combine that with a smile, eye contact, and enthusiasm, it's really endless the things that you can get people to do, whether it's buy your product or subscribe to your service or engage with your content, right? And not everybody has that gift to be able to do that. And again, like you said, I think over the years, it's just been sharpened or increased. And I think the common mistakes that I see for most people that that aren't as good at sales is they're so afraid of judgment. They're so afraid of saying the wrong thing, or they're so afraid of rejection and so or objections that come up. When I work with people, especially the leasing professionals at my organization, I try to teach them that, listen, look for the no's instead of the yeses. Reverse engineer the way you're thinking and change your perspective a little bit. Because I know this, the more more people I talk to, the more people are going to do or buy or like or, or or whatever I have, right? And the most important thing that I teach to people is your personal brand is everything. If you can sell yourself, people will buy you because we have these amazing apartments that we lease, right? We don't do any sales of apartments, but we lease them for 12 months or longer. And if they like you, they're going to want to live there for 12 months. You know, I see it all the time in sales that on LinkedIn, you always get pitched these cold services and it's like, come on, sales 101. That's right. Like one of my comments and then pitch me at least, right? That's right. Gary V's book, right? Jab, 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 right hook. I mean, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. It's like, listen, you got to talk, you got to communicate, you got to bring value. You got to show people what you know and and not tell them what you know, right? And one of the the quotes, I can't remember who said it, but uh, it's always resonated with me is that facts tell and stories sell, right? So if you can, if you have a good story and you can bring a lot of value to people, people naturally reach out to you. With me on LinkedIn, like I have, I don't ever, I don't try to sell anything, but I have people DMing me saying, hey, how can I work with you? Or how can I find out what you do, right? And I think it's it's because I'm all about value first. I want to give, give, give. And when you do that, you find that there are more people that want to give back to you. And that's one of the things that I think in sales is really a lost art because like, you know, people slide into your DMs and it's like, hey, here's my service. Let's set up a call. And it's like, hi, how are you? Where are you from? What do you like? Why did we skip everything and go to dessert? Like, why didn't, why couldn't we have a little bit of conversation first? You know, I think that's a big miss for some people. You don't have a degree. So has that ever sort of bothered you? And has that ever stopped you from getting an opportunity where like, Hey, Jordan, we like you, but you have to have a degree for this position. Has you, have you ever come across that? No, I have. So, so getting, so I'll, I'll first start off with the first question. It has that bothered me. And I can definitely remember times 
when it did. And it wasn't really, I mean, even with my current company, I think it's, it was more, it, it bothered me like, you know, when I was around people that I work with that have degrees and it was, and they got into that college talk like, oh yeah, I remember as a freshman, we did this. And, you know, I, I remember my professor that we did that. And, and so it used to get to me a lot because I would say, man, like, I can't relate to that. I can't relate to that experience. And then I, I just had this epiphany that, you know what? I have a lot of experiences that they haven't had. I have 24 years of sales and I'm only 38 years old. Like <laughs> that's, that's a lot of experience, you know? Once I kind of looked at it like that and I, and I really looked at it through the lens that every single person in the, on this earth is human. And the only thing that separates us is time, knowledge, and information, right? Like, I really just kind of just let that go. You know, if there's anyone that's listening to this that maybe you're in that position, you don't have a degree and you're surrounded by people that that do, don't let it affect you because, uh, you know, really, if, if you put your mind to something and I always tell people, go all in on what your strengths are. You know, there's a fantastic assessment called Strength Finders 2.0. I think they recently changed it to Clifton Strengths. And it talks about like there's 34 possible strengths and it populates your top five. Whatever those top five are, are obviously based on the data that you input when you answered the questions to the assessment. But for me, they are spot on for what my actual strengths are. And so I try to focus on those and go all in on those. I know that I'm not great at math and I don't, I don't never try to hide it. Like even for my kids, it's like, Hey, let's do math, dad. And I'm like, got to wait for mom. You know, like I'm not gonna, I don't want them to get their stuff wrong. Like, I don't want to be that guy that's not smarter than a fifth grader, you know? And, and they go and they, and then their teachers are like, no, this is wrong. Especially when I found out that they don't carry the one anymore. I was like, I'm, I, I'm out. I was definitely out when they started mixing the alphabet with the numerical system. I was like, yep, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm not into that. You know? So, I mean, you have to, you have to be passionate. If you're not passionate about what you're doing or where you're working, it's, it really is time to look for something else. Because I think in life, we only have one life to live and, uh, and you got to do what you love. I agree. So, you know, you all, you talked about your weaknesses, but what would you say is another weakness for you? We know the math because what else would you say that you're not good at or that you just don't like doing? Yeah. I, one thing I don't like doing is expense reports. I think probably because it has to do with math. What I don't like doing is tedious tasks, like tasks where I have to sit at my desk. Maybe I'm filling out an application for an award, anything like that, where I'm basically constrained to a certain location because my MBTI type, I'm an ENFP. So the E stands for extrovert. I get all my energy from the outer world. The N stands for intuitive. So I, I do everything based off my intuition and not on facts and data. Okay. And then I'm a feeler, which means I, I truly care about the impact on people. I remember when I had to fire people, like I hated to do it because I felt bad for them. The last one, the P, I'm a perceiving type, which means that I'm very flexible. I'm very laid back. Like I could spin a wheel with a bunch of cities on it and then put on a backpack and just go to one of those cities without anything else and be comfortable. Knowing my type has really helped me realize what I enjoy doing right? That, it's that self-awareness piece, like truly knowing how you're wired. And what it's really shown me is that I need to work on multiple things at once. So on any, any given day, I've got four or five or six projects all running concurrently. And that's literally where I thrive. I thrive in chaos. 
interesting. How long did it take you to sort of figure out yourself, right? Because I think everybody goes through that journey and you seem to have really figured out, like, you know what you're good at, what you're not good at. When did you really figure out yourself? I think it's come over time. I really attribute a lot of it to my role in this department over the last seven years because I've I've had some amazing opportunities. You know, back in April of 2016, we did a a pilot of a program called leader and it's a six month leadership development program. And through the program, everybody has to take the Myers-Briggs type indicator assessment, the MBTI assessment. When you take that assessment, it spits out a report and it talks about how you're wired and how you can, now that you know how you're wired, this is how you can manage stress. This is how you show up in work situations. This is how you show up in personal situations. So that was really a, a super eye-opener to who I was as a, as a human, and it all really made sense, and it was so spot on. So each session in leader dives into another leadership component. So we jump into strengths. So and then everyone had to take the strengths assessment. We jump into emotional intelligence. So we all had to take the emotional intelligence assessment. Then we jump into conflict management. So we had to take a conflict. So all these assessments really, truly helped me figure out who I am and have really helped me progress in my in my career along the way. And really, the, the coolest thing that happened was we got the opportunity to roll it out as a national program that we run concurrently in three markets every single year. And so in order to do that, me and the other two trainers had to fly to Dallas and go sit in a four-hour, remember, I hate school, four-hour, like eight-hour sessions with a test after, at like day one had two tests. I mean, it was, I was literally out of my element because I hate, I hate doing stuff like that. I went from this like super talkative, extroverted person to like super introverted, really flip-flop my personality because I knew that I had to literally focus all my energy. We had homework, like two hours of homework every night. Like we would go to this eight hour class, we'd have a test. Then we would have two hours of homework. We'd wake up eight hour class and we did that for four days. And then the final day you had to take a certification exam. I learned a lot about myself through that experience because I realized like I really hate, like I hate doing this. So I like page flagged every page. I highlighted everything. I took like the practice test like 30 times because I I didn't want to be the guy that went back to work and was like, I failed this assessment. You know, who wants to be that guy? But what I learned through that experience is I really learned all the things that I really am not good at. Like I'm I'm really not a great, I'm just not a great student. I'm a good like audio and visual learner, but I'm not a good like sit in class and be lectured to kind of learner. I'm more of, you know, got to be more hands-on, more kinesthetic, if you will. You spend a lot of time learning. What are you really trying to learn next? Like, what are you really trying to master? I think I'm always continuing to to work on on my craft, whether it's you know, becoming a better public speaker or like yourself, I've started a podcast. So it's, you know, getting my interview skills up, right? I mean, all these things I think translate into doing what you want to do in life, whether that's, you know, you want to run a business, you know, and things like that. And so I've actually, a couple of years ago, I, I started a consulting business that was primarily focused on uh, working with individuals and business owners on MBTI and taking people through that assessment and showing them how valuable it is when everybody on a team knows each other's type, right? Because we know like 
hey, this person prefers a lot of details where this person's like, just get to the point. I don't need any details, you know? So it, it was really cool to start that. And recently I started adding another layer to that because social media has always been a big passion. You know, I obviously everybody I think has been on Facebook, Instagram, and so on and so forth. So I've had just had a passion about anything that that is a communication distribution platform, if you will. And so I started and really it all stemmed from LinkedIn, to be honest with you. And I've had good mentors like uh, Brian Shulman has been a huge mentor for me. And, you know, so I started consulting individuals and businesses on building their personal brand and things that they can do to get more engagement and more visibility for whatever their their purpose was, whether they wanted to sell a product or push out their blog or and and things like that. And it, it's been such a rewarding experience knowing that the information that you have is valuable to people. It means the world to me. How long have you been on LinkedIn? Because you have so much content and you definitely know the platform and you're always providing value. When when did you really get active on LinkedIn? This is going to be the shocker. And, and this is hopefully going to motivate some people that are that are listening to this. I've had a LinkedIn account. I, I'm almost embarrassed to say how long I've had it. So I've actually had the account since 2011. Okay. So from 2011 till about April of 2019, I didn't do anything. I mean, it was happy birthday, Bill. Like I would send messages when congratulations on the new, like it was literally all the like messages that mo the notification, like I would get a notification and I would go in and I would, it would be a one click response. Well, I had zero clue what had been happening on LinkedIn until like April. I was like, wait a minute, people are putting video content here. Wait a minute, people are doing this, people are doing that. And so I got so fascinated by it. So I think it was probably like maybe the first week of April, I think I was traveling and I was like, I stayed up late. I was consuming content. I was listening. I was watching. I was just seeing this amazing thing happening before my eyes that I feel like I've been missing out on. And I remember coming across one of Brian Shulman's videos. It was What's Good Wednesday, right? And he does this amazing thing on Wednesdays where he says what's good and, and it's all about promoting and encouraging people to post their hashtag first LinkedIn video. And I remember watching that for like two Wednesdays. And then one day, one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I don't know who's going to watch it. I don't know if anyone's going to pay attention to it, but I'm going to go ahead and who cares what people think, right? So I, I posted my first video and I remember posting that first video and I remember watching it and I was like, okay, it's got a view. Wait, no, wait, that was probably me. <laughs> you know. And I remember I like kept watching it and then it got to like three views and 10 views. You know, I haven't even gone back to look at my first piece of content. I don't even know how many views it has now. And I honestly, I could care less, but I remember being so focused on the vanity metrics because I was so concerned I was being judged by people, you know, and it's just so funny to look back at that. And again, that was back in April. So it wasn't wasn't that long ago, right? So, but what I made a commitment to do is I committed to posting a piece of content every single day. And I remember like I was I was doing so good. I would, I was on like day 7 and I remember I forgot to do it on day 8. And so day 9 I remember posting a video and I was like I failed. Like I failed to push out a video. I promised my aud, you know. And it was so cool to see the responses I was getting from people. They were saying, "Listen, don't be hard on yourself. Nobody's perfect." You know, I started to truly see what engagement does for you on this powerful platform. I made a commitment to literally engage with 
any comment ever that someone would make. So if they would like it, I would engage. If they would comment, I would engage. And what I started to notice is that the attention started to shift from people that I've been watching and people started to watch me. And it was crazy because now when I wake up in the morning, I look at my phone, I'm being tagged by people all over the world. And I'm like, why'd they tag me? Like, I'm just a regular guy sharing my information with people. And it just, I mean, when I look back, like from April, when I posted that first video to now, we're almost in September. That's a very short period. And I've been working on building that personal brand and people want to interact with that. Just personally told me that you're looking to sort of start a LinkedIn local. And for those of you in the audience who are listening, who don't know, LinkedIn local is basically a meetup where people post on LinkedIn, like, Hey, we're having LinkedIn local NYC, LinkedIn local Miami, LinkedIn local Atlanta. So t- tell us more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually working with a, a couple of my contacts from the Atlanta area and, um, we're about to get into, you know, a little group chat and try to really plan out. But really, you know, our goal with this event is we all have are specialists in certain areas, right? I'm in the property management, but also have a background in sales and personal branding and things like that. So that's kind of the messaging that I want to do. And I want to meet people that are also maybe have aspirations to do what I do so I can give them information that might be able to help them grow. One of the other ladies, she she is an event coordinator. She wants to talk about what she does and how she can help businesses that want to host events. Another one's in the medical field. Another one is a business owner. You know, what I really like, and I, I haven't actually participated in a LinkedIn local event, but what's so amazing about what I see in all these events that are happening all over the country is, you know, you're able to take these, you're building this amazing relation, virtual relationships. And, you know, when you can take that and bring it offline and actually meet in person and really put that face to a name or that face, like the in-person face to the video, and then truly build those relationships, I think it's going to be so powerful. That's really what I'm looking forward to is, you know, meeting people that I'm connected with or people that follow my content and like it and really, really say thanks. Like, hey, thanks for being one of the first people to view something that I put out or thanks for the encouraging DM that you sent me or the are the messages or the comments that you give me when I post that content, you know, because I think that's super important that, you know, gratitude is huge for me. I, I'm a big uh, believer in, you know, making sure that you're grateful and that you also tell people that you're grateful for things that they do. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've noticed, cause I, I notice people who use LinkedIn and some people are like, you just don't know how to use it, but I see how so well and how you use a platform very well. It's, you know, that emotional intelligence that you have sort of, that makes sense how you start in April and you're doing so well. You know, let's really start to wrap it up. What would you tell yourself, right? You're 18. You're trying to figure out what you, what would you tell yourself? If I was an 18 year old, I would say, get on LinkedIn tonight. Like as you're hearing me say the words, get on and create a profile. If you don't know how to create a profile, there's plenty of, that's the one beautiful thing about LinkedIn. And I won't say everybody because there has been people that I've reached out to that have ghosted me and my lonely message is still sitting in their inbox and they haven't responded but but for me it's you know you know don't be afraid to ask because you don't get what you don't ask for if you want to connect with someone make sure you send them a personalized invite like that's one thing i'm super passionate about and that's not just on linkedin like that's what i teach people in sales if you're going to follow up make it personal remember their name remember a conversation you had remember that they told you about their sick dog 
fluffy, right? And what their dog's name is. Like these things are important to people. So when you're connecting with someone on LinkedIn, the best advice I can give for you is make it personal. Send them a, make it a personal salutation. Say, hello, Mr. So-and-so, you know, hey, I really would love to learn from you. I'd love to connect for you because I think you have some valuable information that I need to know. Be personable, be thoughtful. And then as you grow your network, the biggest advice I can give is, is be humble because I remember when I was the guy that had nobody watching my content and nobody following me and I had people there to to say, Hey, great job. Keep up, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And you know, I just want to share the quick story. It's like we didn't know each other. No. Right? So, <laughs> didn't know we each didn't other. really know each other. You know, I've always seen your content. And you know what? It's like I never realized that you didn't have a degree. I just it's not something I thought of. And then I kind of saw and then I, I forgot the common thread that I was like, Hey, you know what? You'd be interested. And then you said, yes. So it was just like, I asked you, you said, yes, it turns into this. Hopefully someone gets impacted by it. I just want people to know that Jordan is very accepting of requests. So, right. What's the best way to sort of LinkedIn is the best way to contact you. You really LinkedIn. I mean, I'm on Twitter at Jordan J Mendoza. I'm not as active on, on Twitter. It's, it's, I mainly use that for, you know, post. I really, my content from LinkedIn will show up on Twitter. So if you follow me on on Twitter, you're going to see my LinkedIn content there. But the, really, the best place is LinkedIn. I'm open to connecting with with anybody and everybody until you know you reach that connection limit, which which I haven't reached. So I'm open and willing to connecting with anybody. I'm open and willing to answer any questions that anybody has. Uh, again, I'm a firm believer in you know giving value out to people because I know people have been there for me. One final question, and then I'll let you go. Would you ever sell ice cream again? <laughs> I'm an ice cream buyer from now on. Okay. No, <laughs> no more ice cream sales, uh, sales in my future. Okay, cool. Glad to hear that. I think you would sell a lot more today knowing what you do now. Hey, yeah, I think you're right about that. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you for your time, Jordan. Look forward to seeing you and hopefully we get to catch up in person one day. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing this wherever you post it. So I appreciate your time. All right, you're welcome. And that wraps it up for another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Like I said, reach out to Jordan. He's very nice. He's very accepting and his content is great. Trying to be in sales, his content is phenomenal. You will learn a lot and you will get a lot of value. So thank you guys for listening and looking forward to doing the next episode. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information is valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think this show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated, and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect, or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D. Last name, I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. Nodegree.com. Yeah, so, you got no degree? No problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn Somnia. Keeps us evolving, growing in and knowing, wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. I'm going.
know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going.